How much time do you want? For your progress. Progress. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Clatter Chatter on Things That Matter, the podcast that is intellectually engaging, theologically reflecting, encouraging sociologically, imagining ways in which we can live. Thank you for spending this short amount of time with us. We promise you that you will not regret a moment of it. Shout out to Trevor Smith and V.J. Herbert for commissioning this fantastic music to get our minds going on things eternal, positive, and fulfilling life's purposes. So today's message is a replay of a sermon that I preached on November 21st, 2021, uh, Christ the King Sunday. As a matter of fact, uh, the sermon is entitled Jesus and Childish Gambino. I think you might find it a little provocative. Can't wait to hear your reviews. This is indeed America so concerned about black folks getting their money, more concerned about protecting a weapon than saving a life. This is America. Pray with me. God, help me preach what I hope I heard you to preach in Jesus' name. Amen. The irony that today is Christ the King Sunday is hilarious, especially since Jesus was anti the establishment and certainly didn't get caught up in the pomp and circumstances of titles. Can I teach? The language of kings and kingdoms is straight out of an imperial colonizing capitalistic context where the fight between an American company who for decades secretly colonized, capitalized, and controlled the vast, untouched, rich, red soil filled with mud-thatched houses where humans and hippos have coexisted in the Congo. Now, America and China are battling over the Democratic Republic of the Congo's cobalt, which is the largest and purest in the world. As Brother Clark mentioned a few Sundays ago in Zoom Sunday School, why is this important? Well, the demand is set to explode worldwide because cobalt is used in electric car batteries, helping them run longer without a charge in this clean energy revolution. In other words, Africa, as always, leads because it is and forever will be the motherland as a matter of historical fact, the modern vaccine was developed by a West African transdermal infection control practice shared by a slave who was purchased for a Puritan pastor by his congregation as a gift. 
Let that human trafficking history dangle in your sanctified sociological imagination and spirit. So according to the article by Aaron Blakemore for the History Channel, and I quote directly, quote, in 1706, an enslaved West African man was purchased for the prominent minister Cotton Mather by his congregation. Brother Chester, that's some kind of pastor's appreciation, human trafficking. But anyway, Mather gave this enslaved man's name that's located in the New Testament epistle, Colossians and Philemon. As a matter of fact, Philemon was the patron or slave owner of Onesimus. And in the Greco-Roman world, only slaves wasn't unusual. Mather gave this name Onesimus out of the Bible, which means useful. Mather, who had been a powerful figure in the Salem witch trials, believed that owners of enslaved people had a duty to convert enslaved people to Christianity and educate them. Well, guess what? That level of hypocrisy is still in the academy. How in the world can somebody teach somebody else from the motherland how to be a Christian when Christianity was born, hallelujah, in the motherland? But like other white men of his era, Mather also looked down on what he called the devilish rights of Africans and worried that enslaved people might openly rebel. Mather didn't trust Onesimus. As a matter of fact, he wrote about having to watch him carefully due to the fact that he thought he was thievish had these thievish behaviors and recorded in his diary that Onesimus was wicked and useless. But in 1716, Onesimus told him something that he believed, that he knew how to prevent smallpox. Onesimus, who is pretty intelligent, according to Mather, wrote that he had had smallpox and now he didn't. Onesimus said that he had undergone an operation which had given him something of the smallpox and would forever preserve him from it. And whoever had the courage to use it was forever free of fear of this contagion. Well, according to the story, the operation that Onesimus referred to consisted of rubbing pus from an infected person into an open arm wound. This was done in a controlled manner and under the supervision of a physician so the symptoms would be milder that could confer then immunity. And once the infected material was introduced into the body, the person who underwent the procedure was inoculated against smallpox. It wasn't a vaccination, so to speak, which involves exposure to a less dangerous virus to promote immunity, but it did activate the recipient's immune response and protected against the disease most of the time. Now, why are people afraid to do what they can to protect themselves from this coronavirus? It bothers me, and it equally bothers me to hear black folks say how scared they are when black people invented herd immunity. Hallelujah. That's another sermon. Mather was vaccinated. 
As a matter of fact, he verified Onesimus' story with the other enslaved people, and he learned that the practice had been used in Turkey and China. Isn't that just how folks do? They don't believe the carrier of the news. They got to go and check it out to verify. We still have to prove ourselves even today. Anyway, Matha had become an evangelist for this inoculation, also known as virulation, and to spread the word throughout Massachusetts and elsewhere that the hopes to prevent smallpox would occur. But Mather hadn't bargained on how unpopular the idea would be. The same prejudice that caused him to distrust his slave made other white colonists reluctant to undergo the medical procedure developed by and for black people. Mather was vilified, according to historian Ted Weimer. As a matter of fact, in the local New England current, they ridiculed him, and there was an explosive device thrown through his window with an angry, racially motivated note. And then guess what? Religion also contributed. As a matter of fact, according to the history, other preachers argued that it was against God's will to expose God's creatures to a dangerous disease. Are we hearing this same kind of rhetoric today? But in 1721, Mather and Dr. Boylston, the only physician in Boston who supported this technique, got their chance to test the power of this inoculation that was shared by an enslaved man named Onesimus. That year, a smallpox epidemic spread from a ship to the population of Boston, making half of the city sick. And Boylston sprang into action. He inoculated his son and his enslaved workers against the disease. Then he began inoculating other Bostonians. And of the 242 people that Dr. Boylston inoculated, only six died. One in 40 as opposed to one in seven deaths among the population of Boston who had undergone the procedure. And the smallpox epidemic wiped out 844 people in Boston, over 14% of the population, but it had yielded hope for future epidemics and even pandemics. And it set the stage for vaccinations. Only thing is this, Onesimus doesn't have a foundation or an endowment named in his honor. I wonder why. Maybe because folks stole that idea. There is nothing new under the sun. The knowledge that Onesimus passed saved thousands of hundreds of lives and led to the eventual eradication of smallpox. Somehow, sometimes, I wish the African Methodist Episcopal Church and black folks in general truly had a global mindset rather than a parochial patriarchy parody of parliamentary protocol. But back to Jesus, where there was taxation without representation, rendering to Caesar that which was Caesar's that can be traced back to the peasant revolution led by the historical Jesus, who was a visionary counterculture revolutionary who worked and walked among his people. 
leading by precept and example what it is to live in a compassionate, consistent faith of faith. As a matter of record, Jesus came to disrupt the establishment, creating opportunities for reimagining, reordering, reversing, and revising the realities of the underclass, outcast, marginalized, who lived under the evil empire of systemic oppression at the hands of the petty, power-hungry, insecure nincompoops who had no problem filibustering, gerrymandering, lying, cheating, releasing murderers with a fake trial while executing the innocent, just like Pontius Pilate released Barabbas, so did the court release Kyle Whitner to the lynch woke mob. History has a way of repeating itself, or at least having a stream of consciousness to exonerate two of the three, cause one died innocently incarcerated who were framed by the Empire's Federal Bureau of Investigation and New York's finest. So how can anyone preach today without addressing the culture and context in which the empire seems to be organizing around a supremacist notion that the line of justice can move when it benefits a certain pedigree. Thou shalt not kill is still one of the top 10 commandments, no matter if you kill in Kenosha or get killed while jogging in Brunswick, Georgia, and the dog whistling to signal black preachers as if the only time a black clergy person shows up is for a show and as childish Gambino also known as Donald Glover whose epic magnus opus this is America has been viewed over 800 million times and today Alan St. John your eyes are part of those millions much larger than any congregation or preacher who gets likes on Facebook or retweets on Twitter when a gun is cared for more tenderly than a shot body and we're shucking and jiving to make money main whether it is from entertainment or the ecclesia to hustling for another dollar, keeping up with the Kardashians who can use their celebrity influence to persuade a stay of execution or even exoneration. And Pontius Pilate has the nerve to ask Jesus, the ultimate influencer, if he is a king. But the second century before the common era, Old Testament apocalyptic discourse found in the book of Daniel is so relevant even in this 21st century because it combines both an end time eschatological offering that is cosmic in scope and political in focus that just as the God of Israel spared Daniel from the other hands of the empire's oppression and will liberate those who don't bow down to the wrong king, it still holds true today. And in Daniel's journal, we read the vivid description that is not portrayed like Michelangelo's version, but looks more like Donald Glover or Childish Gambino's image. Can I share Daniel's entry? Daniel says, as I watched, thrones were set in place. 
And an ancient one took his throne and his clothing was white and his hair on his head was like pure wool. <laughs> In other words, he had nappy hair straight out of Africa. A stream of fire issued and flowed from his presence. A thousand thousand served him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood attending him. The court sat in judgment and the books were open. And as I watched in the night visions, I saw one like a human being coming with the clouds of heaven. And he came to the ancient one and was pre presented before him to him was given dominion and glory and kingship that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion that shall not pass away. And his kingship is one that shall never be destroyed. So all hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him with many crowns. Let the leadership and example of Jesus the Christ, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin named Mary, who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was mocked sure as he was born, who was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of peace was upon him and by his stripes we can declare our healing, our wholeness, our position in this world that we don't have to shrink to make others comfortable or expand our ego to be seen because Jesus was crucified and never said a mumbling word. He was buried in a borrowed tomb because his death was a temporary inconvenience to confuse the oppressing empire and the burdens of each of our hearts was rolled away. And in John's revelation, as he was exiled on the island of Patmos, when only his imagination and hope. I share these words, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus the Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us and freed us from our sin by his blood and made us to be a kingdom priest serving his God and his creator to the glory and honor and dominion forever and ever. Look, he is coming with the clouds. Every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And on his account, all the tribes of the earth will wail. So it is. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. So beloved, as you get your Thanksgiving birds, stay away from the jive turkeys and those walking like a duck, quacking like a duck, but probably a pheasant with identity issues. Don't get caught up in the trappings of a season of a capitalistic conjuring couched as holy days. Be careful who you bow down to and serve. And remember that Jesus the Christ is still the word made flesh, not the king.
version of the great Bible that was commissioned by him in 1535, filled with redactions. And then the Bishop's Bible, commissioned in the reign of Queen Elizabeth I in 1568. And last but not least, in Geneva, Switzerland, the first generation of Protestant reformers produced the Geneva Bible in 1560 from the original Hebrew and Greek scriptures, which was influential in the writing of the authorized King James Version, published in 1611. Whatever version you got, if it supports systemic oppression instead of salvation, hegemony, hegemony instead of the Holy Ghost power, hatred instead of love, vengeance instead of forgiveness, violence instead of uh, peace, chaos instead of compassion. Just remember, Jesus didn't have the King James Version of the Bible. He was only and simply the Word made flesh whose kingdom stretches from everlasting to everlasting and still lives and reigns forever. So if you get confused, look to Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sits down at the right hand of the throne of God. And he reigns forever. Come on, brother. It has been a privilege, a pleasure, and an honor to have you join in with us today. Remember that everything will be all right until we meet again. Stay safe and well.